Hey there, welcome to Truly Oz, which is devoted to exploring Australia. From insider scoops on our major cities to exploring the endless gems to be uncovered in regional, rural and outback Australia. We created these podcasts so that before you travel somewhere, you know a little bit about the place and have the lowdown on things to check out. I also love sharing my top picks on where to eat, drink, play and stay. For more travel inspiration, you can also check out our stories online at trulyoz.com and also find us on Instagram at trulyoz. Today we're heading to the magical Kangaroo Island in South Australia, which is famous for its jaw-dropping landscapes, its incredible wildlife experiences, its exceptional local produce and its down-to-earth locals. It sums up what slow, meaningful living is on a beautiful Australian island. At 4,405 square kilometres in size, Kangaroo Island is actually Australia's third largest island, which is similar in size to Bali. But whereas Bali has a population of 4.3 million people, KI, as it's often called, is only home to 4,259 people, meaning everyone has at least a square kilometre to themselves. But before we take a deep dive into this remarkable part of Australia, I would like to pay my respects to the traditional custodians of the land and water, the Carter people. The origins of the island go back 10,000 years when rising sea levels separated a piece of land from continental Australia. The island was known as Carter or Island of the Dead by mainland Aboriginal tribes and a small group of Aboriginal people lived there up until 2,000 years ago. Interestingly, the reason behind their disappearance remains a mystery. At the turn of the 19th century, the first European explorers arrived. Captain Matthew Flinders was sent by the British government to explore and map the southern coast of what was then known as Terra Australis, aboard the HMS Investigator. In 1802, Flinders and his 94 crew members discovered the large island and were met by mobs of kangaroos, which they immediately hunted and ate, as it had been months since they'd feasted on fresh meat. Flinders then took kangaroo meat, seals and timber back with them to the mainland, and he also wrote in his diary. The ship's company was employed this afternoon in the skinning and cleaning of kangaroos. They stewed half a hundredweight of heads, forequarters and tails down to this soup for dinner, and as much steak, moreover, to both officers and men as they could consume by day and night. In gratitude for so seasonable supply, I named this Southland Kangaroo Island. A few months later, French explorer Commander Nicolas Bourdain landed at Encounter Bay on the coast of South Australia and met Flinders, who shared information about the island with him. Despite their countries being at war, the two explorers were actually quite good friends. Bourdain then mapped the entire island over a few weeks and collected specimens of flora and fauna. These included kangaroos and emus, which amazingly survived the long boat journey back to France. Before he headed home to Europe, though, Bourdain released pigs and hens into the wild as a source for food for future explorers. The pigs survived, and to this day, the genetically unique Bourdain pig species still roams the island. About an hour's drive from Kangaroo Island's Kingscote Airport, many travellers stopped to take photos of a motley crew of mailboxes that belonged to the residents of Vivian Bay, one of the places that Bourdain gave a French name to. It's an amusing collection, as not all of them are actually mailboxes in their former lives. There are bar fridges, oil drums, dog houses, microwaves, and even an old dryer. The joke is that they are critter-proof, so the local wildlife can't get into the resident's mail. A local has painted a little sign on one of the mailboxes, and it reads, If you live on Kangaroo Island, you're better off than 99.9% of the population. One third of Kangaroo Island is devoted to nature reserves and there's an astounding 1,500 Aussie animals that call it home, 
koalas, wombats, wallabies, sea lions, New Zealand fur seals, echidnas and Cape Garan geese, and the tiger and pygmy copperhead snakes being some of them. The island's tiger snakes are larger and more venomous than their mainland counterparts, so visitors are warned to keep an eye out and tread loudly when bushwalking. And of course, the island is known for its kangaroos. The kangaroo island kangaroo is found only on this island, and with no natural predators, it's the slowest moving kangaroo species. It is closely related to the western grey kangaroo, but they're typically smaller and sturdier. Their fur is dark brown and thicker than that coats of their mainland relatives, and they have dark brown to black tip paws and feet. Basically, they're cuter than mainland kangaroos. And despite its name, many people actually visit Kangaroo Island to see Australia's undeniably cutest marsupial, the koala, in its natural habitat. Prior to the catastrophic bushfires on Kangaroo Island in 2019 to 2020, the Department for Environment and Water estimated that Kangaroo Island had a population of 48,000 koalas. But following the bushfires, it is estimated that approximately 8,500 koalas now remain based on the assumption that most koalas within the area were impacted by the bushfires and they perished. In 1920, 18 koalas were taken across to Kangaroo Island as a precaution to prevent their extinction. However, due to them having no predators, a lack of introduced pests and so much land and an abundance of their favourite food to eat, gum leaves, their numbers were soon out of control. A single koala eats 200 to 500 grams of leaves a day and so they were literally eating themselves out of their home. Hanson Bay Wildlife Sanctuary is the best place to see a sustainable population of koalas now in the wild. As there are so many native animals on Kangaroo Island, many visitors opt to be right in amongst it in the small lodges, hotels, cabins, caravan parks, campgrounds and private rentals, while others don't want to miss out on the fine food, wine and other luxurious offerings of Southern Ocean Lodge, which, before it burnt down in the fires, was named as the fourth best hotel in the world in US Travel and Leisure Magazine's 2016 World Best Awards, and it was voted as the best hotel in Australia. It is set to reopen its doors in mid-2023, bigger and better than before. Dubbed SOL, or Sol 2, the new luxurious lodge will largely maintain the original lodge footprint, with 25 luxurious guest suites easing along the coastline. In a great design manoeuvre, each of the suites has been reorientated to now offer even better views of the ocean and the coastal wilderness, where the eye was always drawn to the glorious sunrise, sea mists and thundering cobalt waves breaking on the shores below. The rebuild will see the return of the lodge's original architect, Max Pritchard, along with his partner, Andrew Gunner. And the lodge will once again be a champion of South Australian and King Iron suppliers of food and beverages. There are three must-do iconic activities to be enjoyed in the great outdoors on KI, including visiting a sea lion colony in Seal Bay, taking in the remarkable rocks and venturing into the wonderful world of Admiral's Arch. At Seal Bay Conservation Park, you'll find an enormous colony of sea lions. A fun fact is that they're called a raft when they're on the water and a rookery when they're breeding. Fur seals and sea lions are members of the Otaridae family, distinguished from true seals by external ears and forward-rotating hind flippers, which assist movement over land. Depending on what time of year you go, you can see all types of shenanigans. I prefer it when there are new pups waddling about. They're super cute. Breeding season is underway in December, reaching full swing in January, and exciting scenes can be witnessed from the boardwalk at Admiral's Arch in Flinders Chase National Park. But it's also fun watching the seals come in from the sea and flop on the rocks on the beach. 
A winding wooden walkway takes visitors through scrubland that the sea lions call home and out onto the beach where white sand, blue skies and unspoiled vistas sprawl in every direction. Life has not changed here for these creatures for thousands of years. Their home is how it has always been, albeit streams of people taking photos and smiling at their antics. There are usually sleeping sea lions everywhere, crashed out on the dunes, lying out on the beach, exhausted after big swims and hunting sprees in the ocean. There are plenty of warning signs about, though, about not getting too close to the sea lions, and for good reason. A protective bull can weigh up to 350 kilograms. Another must-do is Remarkable Rocks in Flinders Chase National Park. It's a stunning ensemble of boulders atop a granite dome and their Mother's Nature's version of Sculptures by the Sea. It is thought that they were formed during the post-Cabrian period around 500 million years ago and the unusually beautiful shapes and vibrant orange and white colourings was caused by the rain penetrating the upper layer of rock, decomposing it into separate boulders. The wind waves and the lichen have then worked wonders, resulting in one of the most photographed natural spectacles in South Australia. And just when you thought one remote Australian island could not have been bestowed with more astounding natural beauty, enter Admiral's Arch a partly underground world of ancient caves where the wind, rain and waves have created a natural bridge where stalactites adorn its underside like jagged chandeliers. The site has huge geological significance and has been designated as a geological monument that attracts more than 180,000 visitors a year. The New Zealand fur seals love this rocky playground with many a sheltered rock ledge and there are usually hundreds of them cavorting about. There are plenty of local producers and operators to check out At Emu Ridge, you'll find out how Australian eucalyptus oil is made. Eucalyptus oil was Australia's first true export overseas and one of Kangaroo Island's major industries. And now Emu Ridge is the only remaining commercial eucalyptus oil distillery in South Australia. And there's a great little retail outlet offering some of its local produce, art, craft and historical memorabilia. They offer guided and self-guided tours that take visitors through the distillery. And there's a cafe where you can enjoy light snacks, coffee and drinks. And you can also taste Kangaroo Island cider here. The Kangaroo Island Ligurian Bee Company is a family-owned and operated business based in Kingscote. It was established by Peter Davis in 2001 as one of the first organic honey producers in Australia. And he's passionate about protecting the Ligurian bees on Kangaroo Island. It produces up to 90 tonnes of honey each year from over 800 hives which are moved around the island, according to the flora and the seasons. So you get so many different tastes and textures. Dudley Wines was established in 1997 and is Kangaroo Island's pioneer winery. The cellar door is 12 kilometres from Pennyshaw on the cliff tops of Kangaroo Island's stunning north coast. Relax for the afternoon on the deck with fantastic coastal views while enjoying Dudley's locally grown and produced award-winning wines. Established in 2006, Kangaroo Island Spirits is South Australia's first boutique distillery. Here they produce a range of high-quality liqueurs and spirits, emphasising local and native ingredients. Gin really is their thing, but they also produce a variety of liqueurs and vodkas and they've commenced a world-class whiskey program. All the products are handmade in small batches using handcrafted copper pot stills. They offer a range of highly curated experience including premium guided tastings, cocktail masterclasses and a popular gin blending masterclass. If you want to pair things back a bit though, the Penny Shore Hotel is the place to go for a hearty pub meal such as a pie or snitty and chips with amazing uninterrupted views over backstairs passage, with absolute water frontage over the cliff tops. 
It has country hotel hospitality by the bucket load and it prides itself on being a family destination, so the kids are all catered for. The rustic charm of the front bar and the dining area make it a top spot to spend a Sunday afternoon or it's a great place to wait while your ferry comes in and to take you back to the mainland. There are plenty of other places to visit on KI, but you'll just have to head there to check it all out yourself. The locals certainly appreciate visitors and has taken a lot of money and effort to rebuild everything after the fires. Rex has daily flights from Adelaide across the country and then it's a quick ferry ride over or less than an hour on a plane. Thanks for listening to the Truly Oz podcast. If you like what you heard, hit follow or subscribe so you never miss an episode. And for more travel inspiration, head over to trulyoz.com or catch us on Instagram. We look forward to bringing you more Truly Oz travel inspiration soon. This podcast was made by Afternoon Sport Group. Afternoon Sport. Are you thinking about making a podcast? If so, contact the Afternoon Sport Group. We'll make it easy. With the technical know-how and industry knowledge, we'll get your podcast up and running in no time. Get in touch via our website or email hello at afternoonsport.com.